Welcome to the Just Swinging It podcast here on Twitter Spaces. We're going to be recording this for our podcast as normal, but a little bonus episode for everyone this week. Today, I have a few guests. I have the Canadian Futures Trader joining me all the way from Canada, and I have the Mighty Ox, and he will be in here in a few moments, hopefully. But uh, before we get started, how is things up north, Canadian Futures Trader? Good, lovely summer. Can't complain. Trading's going good. Uh, yeah, no, all's good. How is it? Uh, how is it where you guys are, or where you are? I guess. Yeah, in North Carolina, it's um, in the high nineties. If I think it might have briefly hit a hundred today. Um, had a short day at work, so uh, back at the screens in front of the trading for the last hour of the market. So. Uh, Good things going this way. Um, I guess to start off with, are there any overview topics that you have as far as the week that's happened with um, the different Fed coming out and the talks of a recession? Um, do you have any opinions or or viewpoints as far as how that may relate to day trading? Um. I was really hoping Ox to be able to talk because I was going to lean heavy on him for like market stuff. Um, the, <laughs> I'm pretty, uh, uh, I'll see what my two cents is here, but uh, I, I'm pretty much in there like day. So for day trading, for like scalping and stuff like that, like I honestly, aside from like knowing when news releases are and stuff, like it's good to have a general sense and a good general direction, I guess. But um, I'm in there just like back and whatever the back and forth gives me. So that's where I'd say I'm somewhat useless on the bigger picture. Um, I will say, um, I mean, a few things, and I mean, things as, as horrible as, as this might sound, but you know, I'm not one to shy away from it. The, um, um, I mean, I still lean heavy into, aside from market, and I'm getting a little bit away from the market here, but um, as far as things like uh, recession, housing prices, I was just reading the other day, prices expected to drop another 15%, at least in Canada. I'm sure it's a very similar thing in the U.S. Um, over the next year. And then um, I still read about things, and this is maybe the horrible part. I have a, a hefty position on corn futures. I'm long, um, basically based on the fact that I expect as well to be uh, – bit of a food shortage, food crisis, and, and dry prices up. So um, things aren't sounding too good. But, um, you know, I've, I've been alive enough years that you know, it, they never sound good. Like you could go back 10 years, 20 years, and it always seems like doom and gloom. But the reality is things shake out okay in the long run. So, um, I mean, you kind of have to weather the storm. Of course, things impact different people differently. And, again, I'm, I'm like way out in left field here. I'm not so much talking about the intraday, you know, market you know how that impacts that uh, but um that's just kind of my takeaways on stuff and like what kind of piqued my interest the most i mean i'm kind of well known that i'm pretty much treasury exclusive you know i trade the ultra bonds um i was kind of surprised so i don't typically trade the fomc release which was uh wednesday uh, i believe it was wednesday yeah, i think it was wednesday um uh but I, I always keep an eye on it and uh kind of surprised it was pretty flat and uh just in the treasuries it just it didn't really i mean it registered but it didn't register like i've seen it register in other days and from what i've read and again i get away from like i don't even look at an es or anything like that so um but from what i've read um kind of the same thing all around you know it didn't it wasn't as wild and out of control as it can be on a day 
trading basis, you know, like I know it has bigger um, long-term impacts and whatnot and, you know, market implications, but uh, for day trading, it seemed like it wasn't too bad. I know crude is up again. It was under hundred bucks a barrel for the futures uh, for a good little while there. Um, and I, I just took a peek today just offhand uh, again, just in my, my meager market research. Uh, so I could sound at least somewhat educated when I came on here, but uh, I see crews back up over a hundred bucks a barrel, at least when I looked earlier today. And, uh, so, uh, but who knows I mean, we're midway through the summer. So as far as people at the pumps, you know, they're probably not going to see a huge impact from that. You know, prices typically start to cool off a bit in the fall anyway. So that, uh, that about ex- extends my, my, <laughs> my market uh, analysis for you. Yeah, sounds good. So, or is that corn position? I know you've been intraday trading corn, and you're usually in the ultra brawn as far as day trading goes. Is this corn position more of a swing trade or a longer term uh, trade? Yeah. So this is one I really just in the last uh, uh, in the last several months I took an interest in corn. I mean, originally, I mean to fully like declare where this corn thing came from um, and to give all credit to Mighty Ox, he's the first one who kind of brought up corn futures to me many months ago, almost as a joke. And uh, But turns out corn actually trades pretty nicely. It trades in a very similar fashion to the treasuries. It's um, a thinner order book, so it's something like similar to an ultra bond, but you know, it doesn't, it's not out of control. So you can, you can day trade it and scalp it pretty well. Um, but anyways, going a, a step beyond that, um, yeah, just all of the, you know, I was looking for some longer term positions in my own account, um, like my personal brokerage account. So um, a few weeks ago, I was actually short corn future and I'm trading. So it is, it, it, the original position was meant to be a swing trade. It ended up just being like a one week trade. But um, I was actually short corn at that point. It had just been trending down. Um, so I was short the July, I think it was the July 23 contract. And um, I just, and I fully admit, this is in part dumb luck. It just, it happened to tank on uh, like mid, you know, while I had the trade on. So I was able to capitalize on that. And I got out of that position and have kind of been sitting on the sidelines waiting to re-enter because my original hypothesis was prices will rise. So once it kind of tanked and it was down in the 500s, um, a contract, um, and a contract is for 5,000 bushels of corn in case anyone cares. I doubt anyone does, but the, um, uh, so I, I've taken a long position it is a swing position. It's the December, December, it's the December 23. So I'm way out like a year and a half I have uh, on this contract. So, um, yeah, I have a bunch of December 23 contracts and just, uh, uh, hey, fingers crossed, the world goes to hell and uh, food prices skyrocket, right? Who's with me? No, I'm just kidding. I know that's a horrible thought, but that is the position I'm taking on a very serious level. Um, so that is a swing position is the uh, long answer to your very short question. Oh, no, that's good. Um, so when you are day trading corn, are you using the same tools that you normally use for your day trading as far as using di- jigsaw and, and the order flow? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I'm I'm just not a chart person, and I, I, I mean, I I know I take little cheap shots here and there um, at chart charts, but in all intents purposes, I get the value of charts and indicators and all that. But for myself, I just yeah, I'm I'm scalping. I'm looking for a few ticks. Um, I use Jigsaw. If anyone doesn't know, it's the order flow depth of market tool. 
Uh, so there's no real charts. You're just looking at the ladder and the prices and really supply and demand. It really, the way I just recently did an interview, not to plug my own stuff, but I, with John Grady, who is an old timey treasury scalper. And that's really where I learned a lot of my craft from. So uh, you really get down to the microscopic level looking at that order book. Like you're seeing the actual orders on the book, like limit orders placed, people buying, people selling. And that's something you don't necessarily see in the chart. Like you see the direction in the chart, but you don't necessarily see, and you might see it move faster or slower, but you don't actually see like the numbers, the actual contract trade. And that's what I like um, about the order book. So yeah, when I'm trading corn, I'm still using uh, you know, Jigsaw, Depth of Market. Um, the only difference there is I don't have anything to really correlate it against. Um, so with the treasuries, a lot of my trading is based on the fact that, you know, all the treasuries in general trade together. You know, they, you know, if, if one or two of them are pushing their highs of the day, typically all three will. So when one of them is out of whack, that's where I'm looking for a trade. I'm looking for, and I call it the catch up. I named my trades just to make easy reference. It's, you know, the ultra bond might be trading in the middle of its range and I'm looking for it to catch up to the other treasuries. And a lot of times it plays out well. So that's served me well. Um, when it comes to corn, though, I don't have anything to correlate it off. Or I haven't done enough research to, to figure out what to correlate it against. Maybe the other agriculture products. Um, I'm not sure. I don't trade corn a ton intraday. Like I, at the very first time I did it, again, was like almost as a joke. Um, but it worked out really well. And I was like, wait, this, this actually kind of trades like the Ultra Bond. So uh, there's still you can still like read the numbers like off the dom and and kind of figure out some order flow on it but um it depends too on the time of day and what's going on and things because uh you know it can get choppy and you know i am dealing with a product that i'm definitely not as familiar with when it comes to corn and knowing what actually like is is driving the market i mean i i know at a fundamental level but to actually like on any given day um you know i just know a lot more about the treasury so that's where i spend like 95 percent of my time yeah for sure and i was Definitely curious on how you approach corn because, like you said, on your ketchup trade, you'll look at similar products and if they are moving ahead of the ultra bond, that kind of gives you some leading indication of where it may go. And with corn, uh, there's not, you know, it's not set up like the yield curve is, so to speak. So I was definitely um, curious on how you were approaching that so yeah i mean if anything it is just uh if it if it might be a good exercise for me because um i mean the treasuries obviously work out fine but corn kind of forces me since i have nothing to play it off of or at least that i know of currently um it kind of forces me to really just focus on the numbers of corn as weird as that statement sounds, but the, um, you know, I have to watch, like I have to watch the order flow very in depth. Like I can't take kind of a, a, a 10,000 foot level, which I do with the treasuries. I'm able to kind of take a step back and go, okay, the tens are doing, 10 years are doing this. The thirties are doing this. Um, you'd be ultra bonds doing that, you know, like I can kind of take a step back and, and trade ultra bond. Whereas with corn, no, I don't have a choice. I have to just dive into what, what's, who's buying, who's selling, where's the pressure, you know, who's in control of this market, where's it been, and go from there. So, and it's, I mean, it's, I mean, I say it's fun, but I like that fun in trade. I like that fun in anything I do. If I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't do it, honestly. Um, but yeah, it's almost like a, a bit of a chess match, if you will, just buyers and sellers and kind of trying to interpret that order flow. So um, it's not for everybody. I mean, it's meticulous and it can be boring, And but uh, that's kind of where, that's kind of my game when it comes to that. 
Yeah, and something to point on that we've talked about is we're not necessarily looking at fundamentals and and the overview of stuff when we're day trading. A lot of it, we're we're just waiting for a specific setup to happen and then executing when that setup happens. So there's not a lot of fundamental stuff that comes into play. But the one part of the fundamental stuff that I guess in an indirect way um, will affect our day trading is when the news actually comes out and they may be a big push in one direction or another. Um, you know, that definitely uh, affects. And so news, the actual event of news sometimes for us day traders is more important than the actual number that the news is reporting on. So if they're reporting on GDP or something, we don't necessarily care what the number is, but we care the reaction the market's going to have to that number. And um, that's something that's a little different with other types of trading for sure. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like I'm not waiting for FOMC and, and making a call like, oh, I think this is going to go long because X, Y, and Z. Like, no, I know it's going to go ballistic. I'm going to see which way it goes and then go from there if I even want to enter the market. And then on a lesser note, um, you know, uh, important. there's other important news reports out there too. Like once a month, there's non-farm payroll on Fridays. That impacts treasuries for sure. Um, I haven't, can't say I've traded corn on there, but, uh, but then, you know, one or, uh, once a week you get crude oil inventories that impacts crude. Um, I think it's on Tuesdays, it's either Tuesday or Wednesdays. There's the agriculture report, which does impact corn. You know, I was excited about that just a few weeks ago, um, for obvious reasons now. And so the, um, yeah, so the news reports really do, the news reports can create the volatility and I don't care you or anyone who's scalping or day trading this stuff doesn't doesn't necessarily care which way it goes as long as you can kind of expect that as long as you can expect the volatility and then uh, hopefully capitalize on it um, for some good trading because that's the thing too like with treasuries i mean any i say treasury just because that's why i trade the most but like i don't it's kind of well known like i don't trade after like noon like i just don't bother because there's just not enough activity like there's activity and if you're willing to wait it out and be patient sure you can get some good trades but it's to me, it's like just not as efficient. Like I'd rather trade the prime time, 8 a.m. to 12 Eastern and just be done. Like call it a day rather than sit there and, you know, pull my hair out, like waiting for a trade that's probably not going to happen. Same reason I don't trade the Globex. Like, and again, other products react differently. I know there's activity in, you know, the indices and you know, crude to a degree and some of the other products too um, in the Globex overnight sessions. But for treasuries, it's it's a nightmare. You know, you're gonna sit there and it moves in a range over a five hour period. Like, you can try and scalp a tick, but if you get in a position and you're on the wrong side of it and it moves the tick against you, you might be sitting there for two hours before it comes back to you. So it's just not worth the hassle. Anyways, that's my my speech on why I only trade sort of a limited time. Um, but yeah, those just bring it back to your question or what you, your statement, I guess, is uh, yeah, those news events. Um, it's good to be aware of them. Uh, I mean, it's not just good; it's important to be aware of them and kind of have a bit of a plan, not necessarily a directional plan, like. Again, like I don't, I'm go, I think this is going, you know, falling, so I'm going to go short, but just to be aware of it. And I'm mean, funny story, not to monopolize your conversation, but uh, well known. I mean, well, I'm a well known. I give myself too much credit. I was recording a video two weeks ago, um, consumer price index or whatever it is, report came out. I had no idea. I was oblivious to the fact that this report was coming out. And I was recording a video and I put it up, completely caught me off guard. Like Treasury Ultra Bond just tanked. Like, um, I think it was about, a, a, I don't know, about 50 ticks. It was 30 and 50 ticks. I don't quite remember, but just slammed. And I wasn't in a position, luckily. But that's one where, like, 
say I was just there scalping away doing my thing and I was long and then that report comes out and just tanks it like that's an account blower. So, um, you know, it's funny to watch my reaction or it's funny in retrospect, but it wouldn't have been real funny if that was like my own money. And now I'm down 40 ticks in the ultra bond and it's not coming back. And you know, you're down thousands or more of dollars. So good lesson people should learn from me. I mean, I didn't take a hit on it, but yeah, good reason to be very aware of those news releases. Yeah. I was watching that video and it was uh, definitely interesting reaction, but like you said, very real consequences for, um that could come from a situation like that um i know ox has been talking about this and and if you have your mic uh good and ready to go uh just jump in at any time mighty ox but i know he was with this site um it's a free i guess subscription or something where it'll tell you about news events and to be honest in my strategy i haven't accounted for news events so I do a statistical uh, model um, of my strategy, and then along with a few other things, basically I have an algo that trades it. But when I done my back test, um, it, I just set the parameter of time that I wanted to trade, and I didn't really even consider news. And the back test, you know, obviously the trading for it looks good. That's why I'm you know trading it but it doesn't keep into consideration the um these moves or these events that lead to the moves so this week i probably had like i don't know i think it was a 20 20 point move uh in the um in the es uh, that i capitalized on but then i end up getting chopped up through the news and that kind of made me think about what Ox was saying on his live stream was maybe this is something I need to take into consideration. Sorry, I was drinking water. The um, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Because like, obviously, I don't know the intricacies of your your algo, but um, yeah. I mean, if it was a big spike and it caught you offside, and I mean, I know too using a rhythmic connection. I mean, I mean, not to talk ill too much but i mean rhythmic's been having its own issues lately as well so um yeah if the al goes in a position and news hits and boom you're you know you're smoked uh that would kind of suck and uh and the reality is there's not that many news events you know like like the agriculture report isn't going to send es you know flying either way i think you trade es and then um uh and same you know like the crude oil inventory is probably not not having a huge impact on es again i don't follow it so i can't say that for sure but uh, but, you know, the big ones, FOMC, consumer price, uh, consumer sentiment reports, stuff like that. You know, as long as you factor in those few and, you know, you put in your, your parameters in your robot so that it's just do ignore, it just doesn't trade for that, you know, hour or whatever, or even half hour. Um, you might might save yourself some headache in the long run. And I guess it's a, it's a choice each of us gets to make if they want to want to hit it hard or, or totally avoid yeah, so that day was pretty interesting. So I think that was that was yesterday, right? I'm I'm pretty sure that was yesterday, or it could have been Wednesday. That the FOMC. I th I thought it was Wednesday, but it could have been yesterday. Honestly, the weeks kind of kind of blur together with trading. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Same here. Um. So that yeah. So that day. 
like I said, I was up during the up until the event. Uh, and I actually, the algo exited the trade before the news came out. But when the news came out, we had that big spike up. And it, it was, it wasn't like a huge spike, but it was a big enough spike that, you know, basically my, my model's based off of trend following. So the model thought that it was going to start a trend, but it was just a reaction to the news. And so it ended up chopping back and forth there and I gave back my profit. But then, then the day it really rallied to the end of the close, so I was end up profitable on the day, but I would have been probably twice as profitable on the day if I would have just like completely, um, you know, skipped that news event. But at the same time, if I would have skipped that news event, I might have skipped the winning trade at the end. So for me, as of right now, um, it's it's hard to tell. I'd have to back it statistically before I would change. Um, what I'm going to do, but I mean, the back test, um, I done 10, I think I done 10 years and I modeled, uh, on the last five, just because it takes time to, uh, run all the statistics and all the variables that I like to run, uh, on my trading model. But, um, the, the last five years, it didn't seem like it had, uh, any problems, um, from, all the fine details that I could run on it. So as of right now, I'm just ignoring um, the news events and not worrying about them. But it was interesting to see. And I could have seen it go either way. You know, I was up in the morning, then I lost my morning wins, and then I gained more at the end. But if I would have skipped the news, maybe I skipped the rest of the day, and maybe the outcome was the same. So I don't really know. And 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 even if you look up your statistics, that doesn't mean that it's you know, you know, a uh, fail proof going forward, but knowing the statistics give me context and that's what allows me to uh, trade it uh, confidently and not second guess it when things go wrong. Um, and, you know, a lot of our trading that we will, a lot of the trading that I've been doing, uh, especially the day trading has been in these prop accounts. And maybe this is a good segue going into the uh, proprietary trading firms. Um, so just to give a little bit of context, I was a, uh, I passed the U-Profit evaluation. I traded with them for almost half a year. I took two withdrawals. I kind of took the money and ran, and then I moved to Lilu, um, and had out then. And then now I'm going to valuation with U-Profit again. I want to get back, uh, with them. And I've been trading just the 50 K account. Um, Let's see, this week was from the 25th through the 29th. Um, so this week, it looks like we're going to be up like $300 or $400, something like that in the eval account. Um, currently setting in a trade right now um, that's up a decent amount, I think about $100 or, or $150. I haven't looked uh, into that because I'm going to let it trade until um, until 4 but um looks like uh you know pretty profitable week uh this week not super profitable but still on the green side of things with uh, everything that has happened this week but we talk a lot about these different evaluation companies and the different opportunities out here for day traders and if you have a, a strategy or a model that you can run it, it's definitely i would say to all the things that I know about, 
and it's not a whole lot, but the things that I do know about um, these funding companies, the opportunity that they provide is probably the biggest opportunity you can get without any former education or or um, certificates or anything like that. What is your thoughts on how big the opportunity is on these funding companies, uh, the opportunity they, they give people from any background in scale of like the other options that may be available? Sure, yeah. And I just want to say too, I know Mighty Ox is listening in and he was really excited to talk. So Ox, if your mic does work now, please pop in and I will shut up. But um, the... Uh, because he would have a lot to say as well. Uh, great intel. Everybody check out Mighty Ox on YouTube. Uh, let me gather my thoughts here. Um, no, you're right. It's a great opportunity. Look, I mean, that's how I got started as well. Um, years ago now at this point, you know, I did the classic, what a lot of people do, I think. You know, they saw, you know, I mean, I was, let me back up. I was actually interested in trade. It's not like I saw it and said, oh, I'm going to be a futures trader. Like, no, I was actually already interested in it. But then once I... Kind of discovered this and went through it and blew a few evaluations and blew a few funded accounts like you i started to smarten up um i think the opportunity is great as long as people do what scares me a little bit is because they interact with different traders online like on discord groups or they email me um they comment on my youtube videos whatever and um the things that scare me are the people who just jump in and think they're going to pass and be a millionaire next week like that that just isn't how it happens and unfortunately I, I don't know how many times i could say it or anyone could say it the people need to just figure it out themselves and um because i think they have a bit of stars in their eyes so you have to realize you still have to put in the hard work um but if you're willing to put in the hard work yeah like the opportunity is sitting there for you and really you know old cliches and stuff but you know like that's really the big change in your life will come when you see an opportunity and take advantage of it and, and make it work for you I mean, that's 100% like what I did, like, and I'm not, I'm just using myself as an example, like, um, you know, I come from an accounting background, so uh, corporate accounting, so it's not like I've been day trading my entire life and finally got good at it, it's like, no, I found a new opportunity, I was interested in it, so, um, yeah, the companies are there, um, I mean, I could talk for hours about this stuff, uh, there's good opportunities, I encourage anyone who is looking into them to really do a few things one be honest with yourself and and take your time as you go through the evaluations like i see so many people they blow up an account they treat it as a video game like like they you know you failed oh i'll just reset and start again like yes you can do that but you're gonna get caught in a circle if you're just treating it like that um the uh so take your time and really evaluate the companies as far as their rules go and obviously there's people like me or like ox or like even you like you know you have the companies you've been through you like you can, you're like a walking testimonial that you know you profit yes you can pass and yes you can get paid out um so take the time to you know seek the wisdom of people who've been through i guess and also really evaluate uh the the funded side people sometimes get caught a little off guard when they they just think they're going to pass an evaluation, be given whatever, 50K, 100K, and they're on their own to do whatever they want. And that's just not how it is. There's still rules in place once you pass um, and you're funded, and you got to play by those rules. And I think, you know, you, you just have to be okay with them. And then it's not like they're intense or they're super hard. And if anything, they're very similar to the evaluation rules, but just things even like payouts, like be aware of what the payout schedules are. Um, and stuff like that. So again, very long answer to your short question, but yeah, the opportunity is fantastic. 
there are a lot of new companies. I'm fully like skeptical of some of the new ones. Um, Red today, even on one of the discords, somebody signed up for one that I already pretty much knew was a scam. And sure enough, it, it's only further proof they're scammed just on the email exchange that this person had with them. So I don't try to give those companies any press whatsoever just because I used to like feel like I needed to be like the policeman of the industry and be like, no, they're good, they're bad. And I realized, you know what, that's not for me to say. Hey, the ones that I endorse, anything else, um, you're, you're kind of on your own. So um, anyways, I'll leave it at that. I love to talk about myself and all my stuff. But yeah, yeah that's kind of my two cents. Yeah, no, that's that's great. I mean, I, I mean, one of the reasons I have you here is your extensive knowledge of the space and you've done a great job with making reviews, um, going through and and really talking about your experiences. And like you said, um, the Ox, myself, you, um, these experiences need to be shared because the industry is kind of getting to a point now where it kind of looks bad and we've talked about this a few different times um but names of companies are kind of bad too like i think like you profit is a terrible name it sounds like a pyramid scheme yeah 100 percent. i mean you're right and i mean it i'm somewhat <laughs> I, this is another area that'll probably set me off but um yeah the name so you profit okay whatever yeah i don't but um they've at least been around for a little bit. Now you have new companies coming out and they somehow in their lack of marketing, you know, knowledge or whatever, they really haven't been able to differentiate themselves other than on like price and the rules and stuff. But it's like every single one has the word trader in it, which I get, I mean, I know you have to appeal to, to traders. That's the point, but like, I'm not going to start naming names just because I don't want to throw any particular one on the bus, but they've been very lackluster in their differentiation in names and in, I mean, flat out say it, like their websites, like they're just straight up ripping each other off on their, like there's literally three sites that have the pretty much the, much the exact same image on it and same color scheme. Um, and it's just ridiculous. Like if you want to stand out, stand out, like do it, do something different. I mean, something as simple as that. And um, even just the lack of professionalism in some of the companies, just, I mean, not blatant, but just things like they send out emails that have tons of spelling or grammar errors or same thing. They put up a post on wherever, same thing, same, same issue. And it's like, and I, I think some of my, my distaste for that is because I come from like a corporate professional background. So like that wouldn't fly. Like if you work for a public company and send out an email with a ton of spelling errors and a graphic you ripped off from somewhere else, that's not going to fly. So um, yeah, I get a little, little world up about this stuff and, you know, I'll tone it down, but <laughs> I will just say that, yeah, the names and I'll, I'll leave it at that. But that said, you know, all the spelling and graphics aside, yes, there's still good opportunities with some of these companies. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent on the, the spelling and all the things that you just mentioned there. If you're going to be a company. And I mean, if you're going to if you're going to build a company or put or put together one or as fast as these companies are popping up, it doesn't seem like they're really building anything. Like you said, they're just kind of throwing stuff together. But if you're going to be, I guess, um, an industry leader or it, anything that you do in sports or in business, I would think that you're, you know, inspiration would be to become the best or to do the best i kind of think that business and sports 
is very you know similar in a lot of ways as far as competing with your peers especially in your different sectors or you know wherever you sit but when you come to you know the world with your different ideas or or your business model or whatever value you're trying to create for people it is interesting to see how thrown together some of these companies are and also it's kind of funny like it kind of goes along with the the bad naming the and like i said i'm not trying to give you profit a hard time like i said i've been with them and they've paid me and i'm actually very happy with with um how they operate and all that good stuff but at the same time i think it's still important to point these things out because you know we're being very real about the plus and the minus of the industry and like you said it's still a good opportunity but it's just you know when you like you profit and then their support you know uh, sends you an email where they do math incorrectly that's not a good indication of a i guess a, a valid company or or organization that you would necessarily want to work with but i'm i'm not saying that i don't but when you're looking at this from the outside on whether you want to take this opportunity i would think that th that would be some red flags in in a lot of senses but i mean these companies have became very big despite all that and it's very surprising yeah i mean i'm with you like whatever you do in life be the best at it and it might catch up to them in the long run you know like um the problem for these newer companies is there's more newer companies like around the bend like i personally know of three other new funding companies that are in the works that will probably be out will definitely be out before the end of the year put it that way and um so the competition is only going to grow and there's going to come a point and again this may be like because i studied not just counting my economics but like yeah where the supply and demand is going to like catch up to them there's going to be too many companies it's going to be too much choice for people and the the ones that aren't as good who aren't doing the professional job are gonna you know that'll be just something against them so um it might catch up in the long run they're not feeling it yet because there's just so many people out there looking for these opportunities i don't like i don't know if the word is spreading or or how but uh just you know it seems to be an ever-growing uh area and i mean part of the problem too is there is very little um barriers to entry in the industry like you literally like you can set up a company contact rhythmic say hey i'm a new evaluation company uh you know tell me what to do and you know you have people who i would i would say and again not throwing income on their bus but really aren't um of a skill set to actually run a business they are of a skill set that they want to get rich quick um so they and unfortunately it's too easy for them to do that they have enough knowledge to start you know a trader valuation company and they're probably being and i'm going a little bit off speculation here because i've never gone down this road but um i suspect there's a bit of hand holding there too you know they contact rhythmic and say well i want to set up a company what do i do and rhythmic helps them get it all set up and on the back end and stuff so it's not like you know you know joe trader uh, is is doing all the heavy lifting you know they they outsource building a site they get the rhythmic stuff set up um you know if they negotiate any deals with ninja trader or you know some of these other companies offer other software etc so um honestly like i really don't feel like it's too hard like you have to have a little bit of ambition there just to do it and um obviously need to throw a bit of marketing at it as well 
Um, anyways, I forget what the original point was at this point, but um, oh, just how unprofessional, but how unsuccessful or how successful these are in spite of themselves. The um, yeah, I I think it will come up uh, or it'll catch up to them, and I think within the next year, I, I'm curious to see what happens. I feel like. It, it's got to stop at some point, but like I said, I think there's it's still growing now because, like I said, I even know of three myself, and if I know of three, there's probably ten or more that are like in the works who are who are just you know in a race to to get set up, and um, uh, it'll be interesting <laughs> to see. Yeah, for sure. And um, going, you know, in into relation to to trading, do you think? that the companies that actually don't fund you that it's like a live sim environment i've watched interviews on i guess the who's who of youtube channels that are dedicated more to this space and i i, I keep saying this is we want they'll say things like we want traders for the long term and to and to build relationships with them but I don't really know how if your income is only from people buying subscriptions and then you're like doing fees and other things to reduce the amount you have to pay out, but you aren't having these traders on live accounts. What benefit other than I mean, I, I don't really see any benefit to them paying out traders or wanting traders for the long term. It seems like more of an excuse to, hey, well, you have to trade this account for X amount of time, and that just gives you more time to blow up. And that's the real reason we are telling you we want you for the long term, and you have to trade for so long before you can make and pull this money out, versus they, you know, they're just not going to write that check. Yeah, I mean, um, it's very true. It's kind of a, so there's a few things going on. So some straight up do fund you. Earn a trade, top step, uh, trade day is a newer one who I've been working with. The um, straight up fund you, so cool. Um, but out of all the others, um, so some of them, some of them do actually like, fun, in quotes, fund actual good traders. So, uh, you know, I'll use Apex as an example. We all know they're like the apple of my eye. That's my favorite one. But um, the, um, uh, you know, they do. When So say you pass and you get your, your SIM-funded account, but if you do stick with them long enough and you do demonstrate proficiency in trading, they do then move you to a live account. Um, they don't... where some of that gets lost is like, they don't explain it's, it's not in black and white on their website as well. Um, and I think in part because there's no sort of goalpost. It's more like they will evaluate your trading. And some people think, well, how, you know, they're not what, no, they are watching. They watch actually very carefully and, you know, they have you know programs running to analyze, you know, trader stats and all that stuff too. So they're able to pull out the cream of the crop. So they, so I'm using Apex as an example. They do, in a sense, fund, you know, move you to a live account. Um, but you're right. So to bring it back to your point, there's lots of companies that just don't do that whatsoever. Or, yeah, there is a little bit of a, 
don't know what the right word is like in that intermediary stage like where yeah like okay so let's let's just keep using apex i've used it i can you know give you the good and the bad the uh say you're funded or you you pass you get your performance account you trade for and you can't do a withdrawal for whatever it is. I think you have to trade like 25 days or something or 20, uh, whatever it is. Yeah, there is a sense that like they're just waiting to see if you'll fail. And in some regards, that's true because they don't. The thing is, is but to set up a live account is a little bit more of a burden on the company. There's more paperwork involved. It takes more time. And the reality, I mean, part of it too is they are playing the stats, not in so much a being greedy way and hoping everybody fails, but just a realistic way. Like if, if 90% of the people are going to blow up their account anyway, I wouldn't want to go through the hassle of like setting hundred percent people up only to have 90% of them blow their accounts. And it's like a huge like waste of time. So I get why it's done that way. Um, but I, I'm kind of cool with it as long as there's like a light at the end of this. Well, one is as long as they pay out, I'm like, whatever. I mean, I'm a little more lax. Some people really have a problem with it, but I don't. But, but that said, I like that there is at least this next, next phase where you go live. Other companies though, some of these new, new ones, you know, I don't know. Like I hear stories like, oh, they put up their own capital or they have a funding partner, but if there's no transparency there and you don't know who it is or anything, it's, I don't 100% buy it. I do think those guys are just riding off of uh, hopefully you'll blow up your account and um, and not do well. And you're right, and that's part of why they do have dragged out payout schedules and stuff. So their level of I don't know what the word is, but you know, comfort is with these different companies. Like if you really have a bone to pick with the idea that you're on sim but you're in quotes funded, then don't go with whoever. Go with one of the companies that does put up real capital. Um, if you don't care, if you're more like CFT or you're like, whatever, as long as they pay yeah, off. Yeah, I think I'm care. having a little bit they of cool. internet uh, trouble. Can you still hear me okay? Oh, yeah, I can hear you. you still there? Okay, yeah. Um, um, well, I'll keep blabbing. You interrupt me. if you... <laughs> uh, Are you there? Yeah. Okay, sorry. I, I think I'm having a little bit of internet trouble. <laughs> Um, I could hear okay. you, but I don't know if you could um, if you could hear me. But no, I I agree no. with um, with what you're saying. Is is like as long as they pay you for the trades that you've made, then it's really you know it's really not a problem. But I can also see like the massive conflict of interest there in relationship to who you're supposed to be partnering with. And that kind of takes me back to like if some of these other companies, the way they do it, or some some of the other ones like Under Trade or Top Step or uh, Trade Day, is they make the rules a little harder to even pass the evaluation, so that they have a better sense of if you're actually able to trade. And then when they do fund you, they're not worried so much. Whereas I think maybe companies like Lilu or Apex, um, they don't have a lot of the rules the other ones have, and they're much easier to pass. And the restrictions are, you know, a lot, I guess, um, you know, laid back. There's not consistency rules, there's not a daily limit, you know, these uh, things that I think traders should have anyway. Um, but when you're offering it to a lot of these people, like you said, they'll just gamble it or you know yolo trades 
and they can pass it. And then, yeah, I could see them not want to put in those traders into actual accounts, but I guess, you know, there is enough variety. So whichever people would prefer, there is that option at least. Yeah, completely. And again, that's where I kind of go back to what I said earlier. Just, I mean, I, I beg of people to actually go and do their research because that's the thing is like, it's easy for us to say this stuff because we know it like, you know, Joe Blow, who's brand new to trading and they see, okay, top steps, whatever I'm making up prices, but top step is 300 bucks. But, uh, you know, elite trader funding or tick tick traders, you know, 90 bucks to take for the same size account. Screw it. I'm going with them. They don't know any of the other differences. They don't realize, you know, the funding side or withdrawal rules or the trailing drawdowns and blah, blah. Or, yeah, like the rules, like you said, like guess who has consistency rules and guess who, you know, makes you trade more days? The ones that actually fund you because they want to make sure they're filtering out the YOLO traders. And I'll blame them because, I mean, it's sad, but the more I kind of interact with like the trading community and newer traders, the more I get the sense that people really are. They're just treating it like, screw it. I'm just going to go for it. And if I pass like great and they brag about it, but it's like, you didn't really do anything worth bragging. Again, this is just part of me being old and jaded, but um, you know, like you, yeah, okay. You pass, but you're going to blow up the funding account in, in, you know, five days or less with that approach. So um, I'll try to stop bagging on people and companies. I feel very negative. Maybe it's Friday. I'm a little jaded after the week, but um, uh, yeah, ultimately you're right. There's some for everybody. You know what? Go with the the more expensive, the more professional setup ones if you want that experience. Um, it, and I'm not saying like, and by no means am I saying like Apex or Elite Fund or Tick Tick or blah blah blah. All the new ones are bad. Obviously, I'm with some of them. Um, but you have to kind of play within the rules and know what those rules are and be okay with them. So, and know that, yeah, you might not be actually trading real money once you get funded, but as long as they pay out, um, and you can stick with them and kind of get past those hurdles, those like first few months, uh, there's, you know, bring it back to the opportunity. There's plenty of opportunity there and they do pay out, you know, that's the thing. So. Yeah, sounds good. Um, I, I agree. Um, I was trying to think I had, um, a few more things lined up. I, I guess Mighty Ox, we're not going to be able to hear from him. Um, in the future, we'll try to definitely um, maybe do a couple more test runs or something with him. That way, next time uh, he can be on here speaking. I don't know um, uh, what what issues he may be having, but we'll definitely try to do this again in the future. But uh, talking... Um, Let's see, what was it I was going for here? Um, markets are about to close the next 10 minutes. Um, I guess, did you have any certain trade or anything that happened this week that that really stuck out to you that would be beneficial to traders? Um, probably not. The um, So I've been trading with Trade Day. I found them a few weeks ago. I interviewed their founders, and I declared I would do their evaluation. And as part of, and I started this last Wednesday, or was it last this last Wednesday? Now I'm trying to remember. Um, yeah, talk about no, it must have been the Wednesday before. The um, yeah, it was the Wednesday before. Anyways, I would record my progress and my trades, and that was kind of the goal: record my trades every day and my progress every day. Um, you know, rough start, then it bounced back, then went sour again, then bounced back. So it's been back and forth. 
Um, but some of those days where things went bad were really just kind of bad examples of trading. But I put those videos up because I said I would show everything, and I will. Um, so there's not much good in those trades other than, you know what, I will, I'll, I'll reverse on this. I'll do 180. I put up the bad trades, but then I try to walk through why they were bad trades. So that might actually be of some help to people just to see, you know, I'm not just putting up all winners and like, you don't get anything out of that. Like I can, you know, I don't need a pat on the back from people, you know? So, um, you know, I'm fine putting up the bad trades and if somebody goes, you suck at trading, that's fine. Like, um, unfortunately for them, you know, somebody's comment on the internet doesn't hurt my feelings. So, um, uh, but to bring it back to your actual question, um, the little bit part that sucks, I mean, I will admit, it's a lot more fun putting up a video with a winning day, right? So what did suck was one of the days, I can't remember, and again, I totally don't remember which day specifically this was, uh, but it was like bad trade, bad trade, bad trade, okay, you know, here's the video of all my bad trades. But then I went on to trade my own account and had a fantastic day. So it's like, I almost want to record that and be like, see, see, like I can trade, don't, <laughs> but um, I don't obviously, because like I said, I don't it is a little bit embarrassing when you put up a video where it's just like loser, loser, loser. Okay, well, I'm done for the day. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> have fun watching. So, um, no, I don't have any blockbuster trades this week. Um, it's been pretty tame. Anyways, I hear Ox, but I don't hear Ox. I see Ox's mic moving, but only clicks and clacks, unfortunately. But, uh, uh, yeah, so that, I mean, that basically sums up my week. It was a lot of up and down, different accounts. Uh, you know, it's the same every week. It's like some accounts do it better than others just based on what I'm trading and when. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm uh, hopefully do some more corn trading as well for videos. Yeah, heard that. Um, so looking um, at the market here as it's coming to a close the last few minutes, um, the see i currently have a trade on right now actually let's see how this is going um looks like i had a trade earlier today um that was a small loser um and it's actually trading um the mes today so that's interesting to see um trading one e at uh, one mes today so it's trading very small um in this uh, 50k u profit challenge um let's see if i can pull this up real quick here so you kind of see where we're at um one thing i was wanting to ask is do you consider all losing trades bad trades or is there any time where you are like, oh, this is a good trade, but it lost. Yeah, for sure. The second thing, I mean, there's, there's plenty of those like realistically, and this is maybe where some newer traders get caught off guard. They think they're going to win like 90% of their trades. And that's just like, probably not very realistic. Like myself, I track my stats and I've tracked them for years now. Like I'm very consistently like a 64% give or take a percent, um, 64% win rate which is only two thirds of your trades. Like you're automatically expecting to lose a third. I mean, some of those are break even, but not very many. I think about 6% of my trades are break even. 64% um, are winners and that leaves 30% to be losers. So three out of 10 trades are just straight up losers. That's just the numbers, man. You can't like, I mean, I can sit there and read the order flow. You know, I don't have a crystal ball. Unfortunately, I'm working on getting one, but the, um, 
you know, you're just so it's still a good trade if it's a losing trade as long as you manage it correctly. In my opinion, you know, like take the few, tick loser. The bad losing trades are where it goes against you, and you when you start saying things like "I hope this comes back" or "fingers crossed," you know, it, it breaks down to like wishes, wishes and hopes. Those are probably bad trades. Like you probably should have been out sooner than you will be when it goes completely against you. And the problem too is people like, so say a trade goes against me, you know, three ticks in the ultra bond, um, you know, in general, that should be like, I'm out, like, just don't even like just out. But you know, if I hold on to it, sure. Maybe it bounces back up and I get uh, whatever two tick winner out of it. You know, over time, you know, traders don't, if you're not looking at your stats, you're not remembering that. You're not remembering, oh, wait, it went against me three ticks. Like You're just remembering, oh, I made money on that trade. So it's easy to get caught, lured into this idea that you're a great trader when really you're just you're, you're taking on a lot more risk than you should, and eventually it will catch up with you. You know, when that loser becomes a bigger loser, becomes a bigger loser. Um, or even, even if you're profitable. Say you're a profitable trader, and again, I know I'm blabbing here, but I'm trying to get it all out. Everything that's in my head. The... Uh, Say you're overall profitable trader, maybe you could be a more profitable trader. Like if you were cutting your losers a bit quickly, like get rid of some of that dead weight that's dragging down your numbers in general. So it doesn't have to be binary. Like you're either a profitable trader or an unprofitable trader. Like you can, there's always room for improvement. Like you can manage your trades a little bit better. And that's something I still work on. Like, uh, believe me, there's, and there's still like, I mean, bring it back to those videos I made this week. Like I made some bad trades, like because I really wasn't managing them. Like I let one trade run against me five ticks and just like screwed me. Like, so it didn't blow up the account or anything, but it's like in the video, I was even like, you know what? Like I had every opportunity to get out of this trade for two or three tick loser. And I knew I should have, but I didn't, I was holding on like, okay, well I start doing the, well, maybe it'll come back in my favor. Oh, maybe. And then no, it goes against me some more and I'm out. So there's always room for improvement, but as long as you work on getting better over time, um, I think that's what's important. And um, I think that answered your question. Yeah. So what I guess um, defines a bad trade to you is not following your plan. And when you start hoping, dreaming and praying that something goes your way versus following your strategy, I guess, is is, is to sum up, sum up what you're saying. Yeah, that's that's completely a fair assessment. Like if you know what you should be doing and you don't do it, um, you're you're getting and sometimes it'll work for you, sometimes it won't. But yeah, that's a bad even if it works for you, that's still a bad trade. You know, it's just good or bad isn't always you made money or you lost money. It's really what you did and if you're following your plan. Yeah, I'm so glad that you uh, said it that way because I was having this conversation with a few people um, earlier this week is that the result doesn't mean you made a good decision or a b bad decision uh, just based on the result alone. It's the process and your approach to making that decision that defines whether it's good or bad versus the outcome. If you go take your entire bank account and buy lottery tickets with it and you happen to win a million dollars, it doesn't mean that that's a good decision that you made just because the outcome was favorable. Um, and if you take all everything that you have and you set it aside for a rainy day and then something bad happens um, and you have the money to cover it, um, you know, you know, that's a better decision than the first example. Uh, even though the first example 
was more favorable in the outcome. So I really like what you said there. It's more of the approach and following your strategy, um, you know, to its uh, fullest point, uh, to its fullest extent and your plan. Uh, just to recap on this trade. So the morning trade um, on MES, um, I entered uh, a buy contract at 4,100, sold at uh, 4,095. So it was um, a five point loser. And then this last one, we got a pretty good run, uh, 41,050 to 4,132. So a 20, uh, about a 21 point winner on uh mes that just closed out um algo held it to the end of the day so uh pretty decent um trade there um to end the day and i think uh mighty ox just uh, requested for a speaker so i don't know if his thing's working now or not Um, I, I guess not, but that was a trade recap there for me for today. So, uh, 82.50 in profits today on one MES, um, five tick loser, and then about a 20, 21 point or five point loser, and then about a 21 point winner, uh, after commissions, probably around 80 bucks or so. So, uh, trading the 50K, you profit account. Um, so that was a decent little trade there. Um, so that's it for the weekend of, of trading. Um, I don't think, uh, I have any other things to cover. Um, I was hoping to get, uh, the Mighty Ox in here. Um, we'll, we'll definitely try to do it in the future to, to, um, to have him speak too. But, uh, is there, is there anything... Uh, that you want to add? I know that you had mentioned something on Discord earlier about maybe some opportunities uh, traders have. Sure, yeah, I'll throw out a few things. First, everyone should go check out Mighty YouTube channel. He's in Twitter. He's on Twitter. You can find him through there. He live streams. He's far more interactive than I am. And um, if you really want to see some trading outside of Ultrabond, he is the road to go. The uh, um. Speaking of Apex Trader Fund, then guys, the few are on Apex in the past, uh, they've run 80% off. I did run a CFT exclusive sale that was literally 15 minutes before I got to exclusive sale starting on Monday. I assume Monday at midnight, so basically Sunday night. Um, if you don't follow me already, I'll put it on Twitter. I'll put it on my YouTube page, um, but it'll be for 75% off your first month. So basically the same thing. And it'll be like a one or two days sale. So um, I'm just spreading the word this weekend to get it out. Um, it's kind of nice because right now is a lull. Like, and I mentioned this, well, not on this call, but I've mentioned it wherever online. Like we, we, we go from, you know, the July, you know, um, holiday weekend, the next big weekend is until Labor Day, two months later. So we're kind of in this lull where companies really aren't doing big promos. So it's kind of nice to be able to hit them up and be like, hey, you know, people are begging me for a discount. Will you do it? And Apex is always willing to play ball with me. So I appreciate that. So, um, yes. So look for a big discount on Apex um, starting Monday. I'll put that info over the weekend. 
Good. Now, does any anyone have any questions uh, that is here? Uh, if you do, um, you can put in a request to speak, or um, if you have the this space open, there's a little heart plus icon. You can just put up a hand, and uh, I will add you as a speaker to ask uh, some questions here to end the week. Um, if you do, we'll give you a few seconds for that. Um, that's one good thing about the spaces is you can have conversations, but then if you have people in the audience, you can do some uh, Q&A. So that might be helpful in the future for um, all of us to maybe do a little bit of these um, spaces every now and then. Um, I was trying to think of some maybe trading points to talk on this week. Um, the only one uh, that we talked about was really just being aware of news and making sure that you account for that in your strategy. Um, I, I was trying to think of maybe another kind of uh, thing to think about. Oh, one thing that comes to mind is when I, mean, I was looking at my... Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, if you had nothing, but um, no, I mean, if people want something to do with their idle time over the weekends, again, um, you know, I see like, people have a lot of enthusiasm to trade and jump in and take trades and here's why i'm taking this trade and stuff but it's pretty easy to get caught up in the you know psychology part of it and just like go like when you're having winner after winner you go in a bit of a rush and then also or the flip side you take a loser you take a loser i mean you can go in a downward spiral now you're just chasing losses so i would encourage people if they want to take away or something to focus on trading related um you know just think about your trader psychology and i mean there's plenty of resources out there and I'm not saying you need to like meditate for 30 minutes and, you know, come up with a mantra or anything like that, but just something to be aware of and something to improve on. Like I'm big on improving like my stats and all that stuff, but I also, you know, part of early on, like my trading journey, part of, I was like, and I'm not saying any of this stuff out of like bagging on traders. Like I went all the same stuff myself. So um, a big part of turning the corner, like when I really started becoming successful was working on not getting so emotionally involved in like, trades like if you have a losing trade it's just a trade you move on to the next trade like they're not all going to work out so anyways i'll let you talk now oh no you're fine that's that's a uh, good um yeah like you said you're going to have losers um i mean if i look at the this eval account that i'm trading right now uh let's see for the month it looks like i have a 25 percent win rate uh, so that to a lot of people would be very emotionally draining to trade. Um, let's see, I had it on the week actually. So it's 27% win rate uh, that I have since I've been uh, trading this uh, evaluation account. 27% uh, win rate would be very hard emotionally. And that is one good thing about the alg algorithmic things is um, it'll execute your strategy and it'll do it efficiently. Now, the emotions attached to it, that's not necessarily why I do it, um, but it is a big benefit uh, to your trading. Uh, now, my uh, risk to reward is super big, and it would have to be to if you lose the majority of the time, your uh, win, I mean, your, um, I guess the odds of your trade, what you're risking versus what you're making has to be uh, bigger than one to one if you're losing most of the time. Um, and I've taken, um, 11 losing trades and four winning trades for 27% win rate. So that's not a very good win rate and it is very emotional. Um,
but you don't necessarily have to have a big win rate uh, to be profitable. But that being said, uh, a higher win rate is a little easier to trade um, as far as emotional if you're trading it yourself. Um, one thing I will notice uh, about my stats, because I've been keeping my stats too since um, my first eval and since my funded accounts, is that one thing for my stats is um, my numbers are actually a little better than this historically. Uh, I usually am somewhere around a 40% win rate, um, but I look for that to improve as I trade in this uh, account specifically. But that's what's good about journaling and uh, logging your trades is that even though you may be going through a, a rough patch, if you know your back tests or, or the trades that you've taken on other accounts or in your account previously, you kind of know what to expect things maybe aren't going your way or not going your way as much as you would like. You can reference those stats. And like Canadian Futures Trader said, you can look at those statistics and uh, f uh, find little ways to improve your stats over time. And uh, one of the things that I've noticed in my uh, stats is my winners are bigger than my losers. That seems like a very important part of trading for me and it seems to be the way for other people too is you, you need to be able to your losers quickly and let your winners run and that that's been one of the big uh points in my portfolio but when i started tracking how long the trades have been not only is my winners bigger than my losers but i also hold my winners longer than my losers so those are a couple extra key points um, to keep in mind when you're trading. Uh, and this is just from my experience. I'm not saying that this is the way that it has to be or, or anything, but this is what I found for my trading is that because I'm able to cut my losers and, and, you know, I'm wrong, you know, this is when I'm wrong and I needed to execute to get out when I'm wrong. And when I'm right, I need to know how long to hold that and not emotionally. And it's easy for me to say because I'm not physically taking my trades, uh, but I still think that it applies even if you're the one behind the switch making the trades is when you see that little bit of green, are you going to take it because you like that little bit of green or are you going to take it off when your strategy says to take it off? And those are two different uh, times and those are two different uh, scenarios is when you see uh, a couple hundred dollars like I was trading uh, one MES I had a $335 one E MES winner it was I don't know that's a bunch of points but if I would have seen that as like 100 or 200 dollars maybe I would have took it off then before I should have and it ended up being a $335 winner um, so what is your thoughts on the how long you hold winners versus losers and your winners being bigger than your losers? Is that something that you've seen in your trading as well, CFT? Yeah, a few points. So back in the day when I started, I was a crude oil trader and I still dabble, but very seldom. But um, I before I started journaling or keeping track of my stats, I had myself convinced that I was good at trading, trading crude oil. Oil, but the, the count didn't reflect that. I just thought I was. 
um, once I actually started recording my stats, I very quickly realized, no, I'm like a 50-50 lose, and the losers are winners, and add on commissions for that. So no, I'm I'm not a good crude oil trader. I, I, you know, I wasn't doing a good job at that point. But I had convinced myself that I was, like without actually seeing numbers. So it is very important to track your stats. Um, even though everything was in my face that I wasn't like there was no profit. So, you know, I was chalking it up to, Oh, you know, well, this bad trade got me or whatever. It's like, no, well, I shouldn't have been in that bad trade. I should have got out of that bad trade. So, um, uh, as far as like letting your winners run and all that stuff, the, um, I do hundred percent agree. It doesn't apply to me as much, as much with the treasuries just cause I trade, um, I guess you'd consider like a bigger size, like a number of contracts, but for less ticks. Like I'm really just looking for a few ticks. So it's hard to let a few ticks run. Like if it's three, four ticks in the good, um, like I'm, I'm trailing it. Like I've got to manage it a little bit more. It doesn't take many steps to like get me out of a trade. Um, but trading something like a bigger product, like ES, MES, all that stuff. Yeah, you can you have a bigger sort of a window to work with, I guess, in terms of, especially if like if you're trading smaller size, I'm not bagging on trading smaller size. I'm just saying if you're like, like I said, like I'm trading a lot of contracts, but only looking for a few ticks. Like that's my goal. That's like what I'm doing. So um, like in my situation, um, my situation the um that's basically it but yeah so everything you said is very true like you really should be and you're right and actually the one thing i do want to say that you start to talk about that i think is really important actually and, and something i did help me um and it might not be apparent in any of the videos i make making stuff so um as far as like your p l and seeing your profit and starting to think oh yeah i'm up 100 bucks i'm up 200 bucks I'm, I'm just going to take this so one thing I learned way early on, you know, people, you know, smarter than me or more experienced than me would say was don't ever look at your P&L. Take your P&L off your screen, however you do it. Don't have like your total balance up and don't have your P&L for like the trade up. Um, and that seemed ludicrous to me at the time. I was like, no way. Like, um, but I tried it and I kind of forced myself to do it. Um, it actually really does help if you can get used to it. Now, in all my videos, you're going to say, whatever, you don't do that. I leave my PL on for the videos because I know that's what people want to see. They want to see, oh, you made 500 bucks or whatever it is. So I leave it on there for that. But quite honestly, when I'm trading, like not on video, which is most of the time, my depth of markets are set up. You know, I don't have my account up. Like I trade my Ninja Trade Brokerage account. I don't have the box up with your balance and all that stuff. And on Jigsaw's DOM, I turn off that PL. Like I'm trading completely on ticks. Like I know in the back of my head, if I'm trading five lots and, you know, I'm up, whatever, four ticks, I'm up, you know, whatever it is, it's uh, close 600 bucks, I think it is, you know, so I know that, but just not, not seeing it like makes a difference, because then you are just more focused on the actual trade itself and reading the trade and you don't get excited, like, oh, I'm up 600 bucks, I'm, I'm just going to take this and get out of this trade. So if you can do that, and see, the thing is, too, it's not like a one trade thing, like you, you have to realize that all these trades are just you know, part of your trading journey, like you're going to have a million trades over your career and this is just one trade. So manage this current trade. Well, that's all you can do and, you know, get what you can out of it. And then you move on to the next trade and then those ticks add up. So, you know, whether it was 600 bucks or 6,000 bucks, it doesn't really matter. What matters is it was five ticks. And my goal is to rack up ticks and accumulate ticks. So um, if my advice would be to people, if they can and they feel comfortable uh, just did like get however you do it, whatever program you use, get your PL off your screen. Um, I know that's not always the most practical advice for people in trader evaluations because you need to know where you're at, um, you know, in terms of drawdowns and stuff like that. But if you, if you can, um, I encourage people to do it. It really did make a big difference for me.
Yeah, I think that's all really good advice. And something else that you can do if if possible and your software will, will allow it. Um, I know on my dashboard, I have percents instead of um, dollar amounts. So um, really basing things off of uh, what percent something is going to do versus off of how much money. And something to, to keep into consideration, too, is when you're setting your parameters for take profit or stop loss or when you're getting in or out, something that's helped me is to gauge it off of the volatility versus a predefined metric. So if markets aren't very volatile and you're trading NASDAQ and you have a, a five point loser and a, or t a stop loss and a 10 point take profit, that probably isn't going to statically work consistently over time because the NASDAQ volatility implied volatility in the 80s is going to be way harder to trade with that short a stop versus when volatility is in the 20s, for example. So looking at things in percentages and also vol uh, volatility related, and it, it depends on what you're doing. Like the Canadian futures trader, he's more scalping versus, uh, versus something like trend following like I do. Uh, where you can hold something for hours at a time. So I think that it does. It, it very much depends, and there's more ways than one to make money, but there is some uh, consistencies across all strategies like we've talked about, and I feel like there's a reason why the Canadian Futures uh, Trader and I are agreeing on a lot of these things uh, is because some things just hold true throughout multiple strategies and, uh, you know, whether you're a day or an investor, there's still some principles that you can take away from uh, from all the different elements uh, and time frames that you're trading or investing on. So, you know, I definitely think that you have to um, take your PL off the screen, like Canadian Future Trader said, um, and maybe you replace it with a percent. Maybe you don't, but if you think in percentages, the percentages will rarely change uh, even though the market value that it's moving down may be very large so you're um you know you're really taking it into something that you can still have context of what the market's doing without being emotionally tied to that value uh good advice there's nothing else i could add to that i mean it really is and like i said it's it's difficult to do that at first it was difficult for me um but uh, I think once you do it enough and like, yeah, I put up a percentage, no P&L, no numbers. It's so easy to get tied into the numbers and really long term, like the profit just comes out of making good trades. Like, don't worry that you're up 600 bucks or 800 bucks. Like, again, I know if you're in an evaluation, that stuff kind of matters. But long term, if you're out there trading, like, just get rid of that stuff and just chalk up, you know, get your stats right in terms of winners and losers and, you know, your average winning size and losing winning size. Um, your M, we didn't talk at all about MAE and MAE and MFE. Um, that's like a whole discussion, but, uh, anyways, it's your kind of maximum loss and your maximum win and like how, uh, well, I won't get into it. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Get your on the right side of your stats and like, like the profit will fall out of that. 
Yeah, sounds good. And um, it doesn't look like anyone has any questions, so we'll wrap it up here. But um, last thing I want to say is, um, or second to last thing I want to say is, um, those things that you just mentioned, maybe let's plan to talk about that. And that's something that I'm not um, completely aware of. I know that you've talked to me about them, and I've briefly looked over them in the, in the past. Uh, but, but maybe we have a, a little discussion where you teach me what it is, and I can ask questions, and then maybe we do it through something like this where the audience can ask questions too. Uh, but I would definitely like to look more into those, uh, those numbers um, in reference and see how I would imp imp you know, implement them. Because I look at my statistics uh, pretty in depth, uh, but it's kind of through my own way versus the understanding of things that I have. Uh, but that sounds like something that could be very important. And maybe you can teach that to me in a way that will help other people. And maybe we do that in a multitude of different ways. But uh, maybe that'll be a topic for the next conversation we have. But I do want to thank uh, Canadian Futures Trader uh, for being here. And thanks for everyone for listening and sticking with us. Um, we went over a little bit, but I think we had a good conversation as always. And uh, thanks for um, Mighty Ox for coming by. I know he didn't get to speak. Uh, we'll try to figure out a way to make this work. So uh, maybe when we do one in the future, hopefully um, – had a conversation and input on these topics as well um definitely check out the canadian futures traders website and his youtube channel his website is a great resource for getting funded on the futures uh prop community or companies um however you want to view that it's a very good resource a lot of reviews and um, information you can find there but don't be afraid to do your own uh, research as well you should always do that so definitely uh, if you see something that you like on his web also go to their website and and dig in a little deeper too uh, don't just depend on him and uh, you know his reviews and I, I i love going to his site and i find myself depending on it uh, a whole lot it's a really great great resource um, but if you're not finding something on a site, definitely check out the, or, you know, the company that you're looking into. Just don't try to reach out to him. I mean, he, he's done more than enough, uh, for free that's on a website for you to check out, but don't be afraid to do your own research and look into the companies as well and, and, and reach out to their support versus his, um, and, uh, also check out his YouTube channel. Uh, the interview um, I, I had—he interviewed me. He's interviewed Mighty Ox. You can definitely check out those. He recently had his idol. Uh, at least that's how I think that he views him. John uh, Grady was interviewed on the Canadian Futures Traders um, YouTube page. I watched that. It was a really good listen. Definitely check that out as well. And check out the Mighty Ox. Um, I know you didn't get to hear from him today, but great dude. He streams basically twice every day. Um, he's got a great community of on the streaming uh, platform of YouTube and then also of ShareVision. He does, um, you know, good commentary throughout the day, and he, he's been on fire lately with his trading and, um, and a lot of good information there as well. Um, ShareVision is like a newer streaming site, uh, so if you're not familiar with that, definitely go over there and check out the stream on ShareVision. It's the Mighty Ox over there. And um, but I think uh, no no one seemed to have any questions. Uh, last words go to you, Canadian Futures Trader, and then we're going to get out of here and have a good weekend. 
Thank you for all the kind words. Appreciate it. Be sure to check out my site. Listen to back episodes of Just Swinging It podcast. Check out Mighty Ox. Just Swinging It. John Burrell, the great John Burrell already said it, guys. Now, I'm looking forward. Happy to teach you uh, MFE and MAE and anything else. And likewise, I'll have you on my channel. YouTube video will go over algo trading and stuff because something I'm interested in and know next to nothing about. And I like to learn related to trading. So we will do that. I wish everybody a fantastic weekend. Get off the computer, guys. Come on. It's nice out. It's summer. There's more to life than trading. So I encourage people to get out. For sure. Yeah, like he said, uh, I plugged everybody else's stuff and not the just swinging it. So definitely, <laughs> definitely check out uh, this episode will be on a podcast and then our previous back catalog as well as we'll have stuff every week. Definitely check that out. And yes, like he said, have a good weekend and we will see you guys next time. The contents of this week's episode of the Just Swinging It podcast are for educational and entertainment purposes only. All persons are only given their opinions and are not to be considered financial advice. The Just Swinging It podcast isn't responsible for any financial actions you may take based on the conversations held on this show.